Today's episode contains the bad word you're allowed to say on Radio 3 at 7.45pm in a musical about Russia. Hi, hello, Uh, this is the 38th demonstration of the system. This evening we are going to record St James Pond, this is very exciting, and uh, we have uh, achieved great things in the field of casting, I will have you know. Also, uh, you know, if you think the names in the cast are exciting, which they are, you wait until uh, the other name news that I have coming up uh, shortly. Uh, But first, we have uh, Tall Tales hero and celebrity, Mike Westcott. Chapter 6, Delta Bravo, Charlie. I got put on Young Work Finders Quick Start Scheme, which usually means they send you out on bins, but you have to have your own boots for that, and I didn't. So instead, I've had to be a top security cleared agency temp at the cabinet office. On it last week weren't actually that boring. Thursday we had a buffet for this bloke retiring called Commander Vernon who'd done me vetting for me clearance and then we all went out for a few jars and when I come in in the morning you know it's like your ears want to be sick. Phone rang this full on deep voice came on and said I've left a bomb in the building. I said to Donald Monteith he says he's left a bomb in the building and Donald said Oh, we've not had that for years. Now, I'm not being racist, but I need to get you the bomb warning checklist. And I said, that's not racist. And Donald said, meanwhile, I should ask for this password that he said certain terrorist groups had to authenticate a bomb attack. I asked for the password and the voice said, Pantomime horse. So I said to Donald, he said pantomime horse. Was that it? And Donald said, well, I don't know. Well, I'm not being racist, but did he sound like he was guessing or did he sound like he knew? I said he sounded like he knew, so I went through the questions on the bomb checklist. I asked, when does this bomb go off? And the voice said, maybe tomorrow, maybe later today. I asked, why did you leave it in the cabinet office? And he said, let's call it a moment of madness. I asked, where is it? And he said it was down in the canteen kitchen. And I asked, and where are you? And the voice said, I'm just across the road. And I should tell you, I've got a gun. And last, I asked what number we could call him on. And he said the number. And I wrote it on the checklist and passed it to Donald. Donald said now he had to call the duty security officer's mobile. And meanwhile, I should try and keep him talking on the line. So I said, right, uh, hey, did you see Balotelli doing Ice Pocket Challenge? And the voice said, no, I didn't. Donald leaned over and said he couldn't get an answer from the duty security phone. He was just getting busy tone, so he was going to try sending a text. Then the voice said, I saw Benedict Cumberbatch do it. That was funny. Then there was a beep over the line and he said, Beg your pardon. I need to deal with this text message. And the line went silent. And I said to Donald, Hang on, that security number you just called, is it the same as this one I just took down? And he said, 
oh, my stars, I'm not being racist, but it's the exact same number. And I said, that's not racist. And you keep doing this, Donald. Why do you keep saying, I'm not being racist before you say stuff? And Donald said, because this is a bomb warning. So there'll be an inquiry into how we handled it. So I don't want anyone to think I'd said anything racist. I said, all right, that's good. Only what a lot of people do is they say, I'm not being racist. But then they say something that is racist. And Donald said, why would they do that? To fix the purpose. And I was partly into saying, we might not have time to really go into it right now. But, you know, on some roads, you see a lane that used to be a bus lane. And you know it used to be a bus lane because when it used to say bus lane in white, they've painted the letters over in black. So now it says bus lane in black, but don't mean bus lane. It means not a bus lane. Well, the opposite of that. When the line came back up and said, right, who are you? And it said, don't you recognise me? And I said, no, I don't. And I'm pretty sure I would, because you sound like Barry White down the water slide. And the voice said, oh, bugger. I thought I'd turn this thing off. Sorry, these security phones have voice changers on them. I said, Commander Vernon, why have you left a bomb in the building? And he said, like I said, moment of, well, forgetfulness. You saw all the lovely cakes everyone had brought for the buffet, and there was a Marks and Spencer chocolate bomb never got opened. I said, chocolate bomb, like French bomb with an E, like my nan had for afters, that pasta pasta. He said, yes, a chocolate bomb. They put it in the fridge in the canteen kitchen for me, because it's made with fresh cream, you see, so it'll probably go off by tomorrow. And I said, fuck's sake, we're shitting Werther's up here. We thought it was a bomb warning, like English bomb without any. Could I not have said it a bit more French? Vernon said, bomb, bomb, it's exactly the same. Yes, I begin to see how that might have been ambiguous. I said, and you said you had a gun? What's that, French for Frere Rocher or something? He said, no, the gun's a gun. I told you I had it, because I ought to have handed it in yesterday. They like to keep tabs on things like that. Phone too, probably. And the third reason I called, I'd forgotten to say that the bomb warning password is pantomime horse, but we've done that. On which point, tell Donald Monteith, I've called the bomb squad, evacuate immediately. I said, why have you called the bomb squad? He said, because he's just sent me a text message that says somebody has planted a bomb in the cabinet office. I said, yeah, but that's your chocolate bomb, isn't it? He said, I don't think so. The message says there's a bomb in the building. B-O-M-B. No E. Completely unambiguous. So... I'm just over the road. If you could fetch the chocolate bomb and meet me, but I couldn't hear the rest of the shouts of Bomb Squad and everybody getting up to evacuate. Now, Bomb Squad's not like the Cabinet Office. They know what the job is and they crack on with it. But what I'd realised by the time they'd said, Who took the call? And I'd said, Me. And they'd said, Did he tell you where it is? And I said, Yes. And they said, Let's go! Was they don't have a bit where you get to tell them that the bomb is actually a chocolate sponge. 
or if they're dead, then by the time I'd showed them down to the canteen kitchen and they'd set about opening the fridge door, I reckoned I'd probably missed it. And so, when I showed them which box it was, and the sergeant said, oh, I don't believe this. They've put the bomb in a box for a chocolate bomb. All I could think to say was, yeah, the sick people, aren't they? One of them waved a black wand over the box. It whistled like R2-D2, and he said, It's sugar-based, Sarge. Probably sugar and fertiliser job. Control detonation out in the street should do it. They fixed a remote detonator onto their box, then lifted it onto a stretcher and carried it through the canteen and up to reception. I followed on behind, like an altar boy at a cake funeral, and I held the front door open while they carried it outside, and I kept holding it open as Commander Vernon appeared, pulled out his gun, and walked inside behind him. So, Bomb Squad wouldn't have seen him drop his gun off at a reception, but they did see him come back out, pick up his chocolate bomb off the stretcher, and set off across the road. When he got to the middle, the sergeant shouted something that made the rest of Bomb Squad lie on the ground, and one of them pressed the remote control. It was only the detonator charge, but it still made enough mess that it was hard to tell how much was chocolate sauce. In a film, Commander Vernon would have died the day before he retired, though I suppose dying the day after suits the cabinet office attitude to deadlines. And if his tweed jacket hadn't been buttoned right up and been the one with the Kevlar lining that was his present from Special Branch, I'd be telling a different story. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Now, in news of the names, what I've decided to do is this. As a result of chatting with frequent collaborator Marie Phillips, we are going to do a name of the decade, which is obviously standing on the shoulders of giants. We don't pretend that this is anything other than that. Uh, We are culling the names from name of the year. Uh, They're all real names, so I don't think there's any copyright issue involved, but we uh, acknowledge entirely our debt to a name of the year. Name of the year is our hero. But we're going to be doing this from our British perspective, where there is a slightly different flavour of names, I think, that will rise to the top of the list. And I'm not sure that the names I will pick for our 64 name bracket would be the same as they did. And that's absolutely fine. One thing that I have had fun with already, I mean, it's proving very difficult, let me tell you. I should have realised it would be. But Before we start, I've got to produce the names of my four quarter brackets, uh, which I'm going to follow in their trend of naming it on great names of the past. Now, one of their regionals, I'll name it from great names of the first decade of the 20th century. That's my plan. And uh, their uh, regionals include, I think, one of the classic examples of why the UK and the American ones will be different. They include the name Bultron, the Bultron regional. Assumption Bultron seems to me as a name to be neither here nor there. And I think these are the two areas in which our names will be very different. Uh, uh, Because Assumption is, I I just don't find the names that are religious uh, injunctions as funny as they do. 
again, and this is possibly purely me because of my upbringing in Africa where those names were just much more common. Uh, the other uh, the other thing, but for the same reason that will not appear in our names, Sitole, uh, well, that's another one of their names that they name a bracket after. I just read that as Sitole. Uh, and while the all-time great name Tokyo Sex Whale is funny, I can't see it as anything other than Tokyo Sex Whale. Uh, and that might be me being annoying, but I'm afraid... Uh, I am annoying, and that's the way it is. So I think after some uh, consideration, and this is subject to possible revision, that our four regions will be uh, the Mingo region, uh, named after Barkevius Mingo, who I think was name of the year in uh, 2009. And it was because I'm a fan of American football and loved the name Barkevius Mingo that I first found name of the year in 2009 then his competitor i think from the same year maybe uh iris macadangdang so we'll have the macadangdang regional also from 2009 i think 2009 what a fabulous year for names is the other two names that year maybe i should do it all on names from that year i mean i think the other two uh semi-finalists that year uh, were destiny frankenstein fabulous and Spaceman Africa. Uh, when I've gone looking through uh, through the through the decade, I mean, obviously there are just millions of good names. And a quick scan, the other name that I really strike quite strongly consider for a region is Princess No Candy. But maybe I'll just go purely and just do two thousand and nine because that was my first year of being interested in it, and have the regions be the Mingo, the Macadangdang, the Frankenstein, and the Africa. For now. That is what we're going with. Today's song is from Pride and Prejudice by Kate Ferguson and Susanna Pierce. And this is a song called Magic Eyes, and we are responding to literally one request. That is how responsive we are. And in this song, Darcy, uh, who, uh, who is surly and unpleasant and does not want to marry beneath himself, has seen the magic eyes of Lizzie Bennet. Magic, magic eyes. <laughs> I can't describe this feeling that I'm feeling. <laughs> One look from her and suddenly I breathe. <laughs> Something in her eyes, it seems, crazy. Thank you. 
Okay, that is us done for today. We hope you are well. Uh, be good and good to each other. Tall tales out.